You know, I've spoke the last four weeks about uh, when God came near and God still comes near. And regardless of what we go through, what we've seen in the past year, what we've seen in our lives, and things that disappoint us, he still comes near. And I don't know if anybody's thought about it during, during a series of, of uh, messages, but God has always came near. Even when you were at your lowest of lows, and when you were, you were segregated and thrown over the side and no one to give you any attention, somehow God in his greatness come through a person or a situation, and he began to make himself known to you. And there is no difference today in God. You know, the scripture says that he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, he's always the same. He will always come near to man. He will always come to you if we learn to listen to him and pay attention to his voice when he speaks. Even when you're unworthy, even when you failed miserably, he comes near. He comes near. Look, looking back on 2020, I'm going to read a bunch of things. A lot of us have experienced a lot of things on, in 2020, and I'm just going to reflect back and touch a few things. And uh, I wish this was a message that, that I was going to end it with a bang. I'm not, going, I'm not too big of a bang here, but, but I want to end this with, a, with a, a mindset that all of us will look back what we've been through and what we're going into. This next year, Hayley made reference to it a little bit ago. It may be a lot of the same, but it may be a lot better. You know, it's not, not as much unexpected now because we've been through it for a year. We've learned how to live. We've learned how to grow. We've learned how to thrive. Even in the midst of all these uh, rules and regulations, we've learned how to survive and how to live. So looking back, a year in review. January was such a disappointing month. It may not mean a lot to you, but I remember my son Lathan, he was really like this guy in particular. His name was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant gave up the ghost. He died, him and his daughter, January 14th, I think it was. And what a tragedy it was to everybody who knew him. I kind of followed him, even though you don't like NBA and you, don't like, you sure don't like the Lakers and you can't stand LeBron. But Kobe, for that was just for Aaron. Uh, but Kobe was somebody you always just sit back and kind of admired. He just was a good player. A lot, a lot, a lot of things to to look up to. But he died in a helicopter crash. Late in January, the news began to get even bigger about the coronavirus, and I've seen it throughout the world. They've showed these. This is back when you could watch the news and not be inundated with all this information, but. You could watch it, and it began to show where its hot spots was all across the globe, and and in America, it was in the bigger cities, and and then it just became a, a, kind of ran away from there. February February was a Harry Weinstein. Y'all remember Harry Weinstein? I, I thought so many times looking at him. How could this dude? How could this dude? Seriously, how could he? <clears throat> just from his looks. But you know what he done? When he was caught in his corruption, he began to open up the church's eyes to sexual trafficking, to human trafficking in the states. A lot of our daughters, a lot of people local that maybe not necessarily right here, but a lot of local normal people, when a girl was in the wrong place at the wrong time, she's taken out to a little island out down from Florida or whatever, and she was introduced to a, another guy that we, we've heard a lot about this year, Epstein. A lot of these 
people that we've known and we've heard about, we never really put a lot of value in them. You begin to connect the dots and went from one to two to three, four, five, six, and it began to, began to get rampant. All the people that reach, who is affected by this sexual trafficking in America. Exposed a lot of celebrities. In March, the travel ban began to hit the U.S. It said no travelers from Europe is going to come into the country because of the virus. I believe March 15th, 13th, it was about 13th, that they had a $50 uh, bill written, relief bill that was combating the virus, $50 billion. And then to make things worse, we had the uh, situation in Louisville, Kentucky, where this, this lady was killed, and it, was, it, it caused a lot of turmoil with all the, the people in the, the community and became a lot of real, um, just became more, a lot of fluidity and a lot of things began to happen. March 15th, the CDC canceled, and this began to affect us. They began to put a lot of restrictions on the church, and that's when we shut the doors, and we shut them up for a couple months, and March 8th to, uh, to the end of May. Our first service was Mother's Day, and for two months, we didn't have service, and we, we operated things. If, if Missy and, and uh, Mary Beth were here, they remember what my wife and I were like setting up here. Do we have a video of that that we tried to do a bunch of takes? Just kidding, it's terrible, I'm trying to forget, but it was very awkward sitting here with your wife and looking at a camera and trying to think of something to say, and, and, and back at that time, uh, I was even worse than I am now speaking sometime, my words just all c congregated, and, and they would compile in a big traffic jam right back in here, and it just was just very frustrating. Something I know that begins to... Um, affect all of us in some ways that the Dow Jones, the, the stock markets went down about 25% the first three months of the year. It was devastating to a lot of people. There was no flights. You couldn't travel from state to state. There was a lot of restrictions. And it was things that not, not that this hasn't happened before in time, but it hasn't happened to us. We became very frustrated. We began to, uh, a lot of people, when Haley said that people began to doubt the relationship with the Lord. A lot of people have. And some of us in this building where people begin to doubt things, begin things we didn't understand, begin to hold a God accountable. And this is something we've all done. We've all quarantined. We've all used five or six gallons of hand sanitizer. I was always proud. My, I was, always took pride. My wife and I go out there, she goes, you want hand sanitizer? Get it now. <laughs> but but I never taken I never used any of that stuff and just never did. And I do a lot more so now. I don't do it all the time, but I do it some. We've had masks. How many's wore masks? For whatever reason, you want well, every one of us have. Every one of us. If you went to a doctor's office, guess what? You had a mask on. You went to the bank, you can't get in the, the walk-in, you have to drive through and you put a mask. Okay, meet them. Some people do. Some people have masks in their cars, but that's a joke, too. Come on, y'all. Liven up a little, all right? <clears throat> this week, I was at my mom's and, uh, for, for, a few, for about three or four days and, and uh, got to be with my brother. It was, it was the greatest visit I've had my brother in years, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And he broke out his mask, and I didn't anticipate what it was going to be like, but he broke out his mask. And he, I'll tell you the story first. doesn't matter. 
he went to the mall, got ran over stores, didn't have a mask on, went to the, uh, out in the lobby of the, the uh, mall, and the cop, off, the mall cop, Paul Bart, he walked up to him and said, uh, he said, uh, sir, do you have a mask? He goes, yeah, I have a mask. He goes, well, you need to put it on to be in the mall. My brother brings out his pocket, puts it on, and it's mesh all under here. I've ordered two of them. If you want to know where, I'll get them for you. But anyway, it was funny. Uh, May 6th, the whole city of New York was shut down. The whole city of New York, except for the essential places in New York. If you're a cabinet builder, hey, you're essential. That was another joke for WW. <clears throat> How many of you ever heard of Lori Laughlin? I have heard of her. She was all over the news. And I believe she got her, she got her uh, judgment was cast on her from the judge and stuff back in the first, back in March, May, May, April, May, somewhere in there. Um, George Floyd, another scandal on the police efforts about shooting someone. And they, they didn't shoot him, but they had him down on the ground and, and it caused a lot more rioting. President Trump was taken into underground bunker in the White House for safety because of the protesters. We've heard about the, uh, rights being, all the rights, I'm going to say this. We are, since people have been trapped in their houses a lot more and, and have watched news or whatever, there has been an overwhelming amount of talk and media exposure to the lesbian, gay, and the transgender because of what the, and I wrote down, what I wrote down was, could be kind of offensive maybe, but just how I feel about so many people today because they see things and they think they're that. We have hear about all the rights of the confused. We hear, we, I'm not saying that it isn't real that, that people don't have homosexual or gay tendencies, but you're confused on what it is. We think that our sexuality is a, a freedom that everybody can just pursue any type of sexuality they want to. And that's as far as farthest thing from the truth. You see, if if we have if we have a tendency for, for if any of these things, so what? So what? What if there is a, a weak X or a, a fragile chromosome in what and you're made up of? You still it does not override what the scripture says. And so we see this stuff all the time, and it lessens our, our offensiveness or bothers us. And if you have a tendency, I'm, you know, we all have tendencies to something. You have to have restraint in that tendency in your life to, to bring it under subjection of Christ and the cross, period. That's like it or not. That's just what the truth is. Uh, the Creek Fire, you've heard it in California. It was in the six top uh, fires in history. Uh, a year of question of uh, total panic, fear of the what ifs. What if this happens? And man, how many heard some really out crazy, outlandish things that could might, this might happen? It was like the Y2K. If you remember Y2K, if you're old enough to remember Y2K, a lot of people are freaking out because they thought Y2K was going to be the the end of the civilization, and it didn't. And you can look that up when you get home. Y2K, um, uh, the disunity amongst people, amongst family members. The worldwide instability that this past year has had. I, my, I have a little joke running all the time with Bobby Blair because his mom is uh, 84 and she's very independent thinking. And my mom is 77 and she's very independent thinking. And those two, we get along really good. 
and they could go places because my, my mom has stayed home since May. She's been to church twice, twice. She gets so frustrated, she doesn't go back. She's going back after the new year. She's going back every Sunday. I'm here on it. We're moving right along. Um, a year of questions and stability. And then, lo and behold, if we don't have nothing but a, a big blow-up of our presidential election. <sighs> Could anything else happen in America? Anything else? You have a video radio back there, Mike? Micah? Turn the volume up real loud. star of Bethlehem that shows up December 21st. That's what this is. Now, this is with a cell phone, but amidst all the chaos, this star comes through. It happened the same way 2,000 years ago. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of questions about why they're taking a census. But see, when Jesus came, he was that star. He was the one that everybody was looking to for some answers. The same way with us today in which we live, we may have all kinds of chaos around us. But we still have reminders all the time of the Bethlehem star, the first time it's been sh it has shown up in 800 years. Is it a star? No. Is it two planets? Yes. This is in Chile. It's where this video was. You can't hear it on the speakers here, but you put it on your cell phone, you look it up. The people were absolutely ecstatic. And almost, if he, if he wasn't from Chile, I would have thought he was beginning to speak in tongues. It was just such a moving moment of the brightness and the, this this Bethlehem star, it brought hope. It tells us all, and every one of us needs to know this, that in spite of what we see and what we don't understand, God is still God, and he's still in control, and he has our lives in, in the middle of his hand, and he has you in the middle of where you need to be. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Isaiah in chapter 9. made himself known you know just simply we've had a we've had a lot of down a lot of people not coming back and I think at time they will and and uh, but let me say this to you who are here if you see somebody who used to come to church here don't go browbeat anybody or guilt trip anybody for not being here is that clear they don't need that if they don't they need a little bit of warm welcoming. Man, we look forward to seeing you. Great to see you. Whatever they say. Because a lot of people, all they ever get from church anyway is a browbeating and beat up and put down and ridiculed. We're not going to do that. If you see anybody that doesn't hear, welcome them back. If you see somebody that doesn't go to church, welcome them to the church. Okay, now let's, let's face it. 
How many of us have practiced social distancing in here? In this room. You're all guilty. We've broken the law. About a variety of things. But we, we try to practice some social distancing. We don't get in each other's face now. We don't shake hands. We bump hands. We greet one another. I'm used to, used to I would hug about oh, 20, 30 guys in the church. And I'd hug one woman. One. 20, 30 guys, I'd hug, great to see you. And now it's down to about one or two, I'll go behind you and hug you or something like that. Don't put people on a guilt trip because we've all been influenced and all been affected by what has been propagated. Not that it isn't real, it is real. It has happened. I've had it. Several in here have had it. But I'm not going to live by fear. So, in the middle of all the conflict, the confusion, the compromise in the church and in the world, he still made him known. He still made himself known to this church. And let me, let me just talk about a few things. We've had I don't know how many people saved this year. Just I mean, we'd have church part of the time, and then we had a cancellation. Then we come back. That is amazing. How many people come to the altar to make the Lord the Lord of the life? It's amazing in a year like this. When our numbers have been down and the finances are up, I never want to talk about finances. I don't, I just don't. It's amazing. We never bring them up, really. We're going to take a special offering or something. Maybe I will, about a month ahead of time. We'll start prepping you for it. But I don't, I don't get consumed about that. But this, this past year has been the biggest year we've had giving. The biggest years, yeah. Uh, we're, well, about one hundred forty-nine thousand now total on the land and on the building. That means we owe about twenty-four thousand dollars on this, and then we're going to start knocking this off. Let me tell you something. By next, by the end, by the middle of next year, I think we'll be sent here totally debt-free. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Expectations are high. And in spite of what we go, th go through, when we get discouraged, and maybe some changes we don't like. Let me tell you something about that. When changes happen that you don't like, just sit down and just wait it out. Wait it out. Because eventually there'll be something else that comes along that somebody else doesn't like. If we all got mad and left because we don't like something, I would have been gone about eight or nine years ago. Okay, I'll say it again. I would have been gone about eight or nine years ago. Not things you don't like, but, man, it's amazing what God has used this church in a variety of ways. Joshua chapter 9, one, verse 1 through 7. But suddenly there will be no more gloom in the land that suffered. In the past, in the past God made the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali, Naphtali, uh, hang their heads in shame. But the, but in the future, those lands will, will be made great. They will stretch along from the Mediterranean Sea to the land beyond the Jordan River and north of Galilee to the land of the to a land, the people of Israel who are not Israelites. Before those people lived in darkness, they shall have seen great light. They lived in, dar in a dark land. But a light is shown on them. 
God, you have caused the nation to grow and made the people happy. And they have shown their happiness to you, like the joy during harvest time, like the joy of people taking what they have won, have won and more. Like the time you defeated the Midians, you defeated Midian, and have taken away their heavy load and the heavy pole from their backs, and the rod their enemy used, used to punish them. Every boot that marched in battle and every uniform stained under the blood, stained with blood, has been thrown into the fire. As a child has been born to us, God has given him given a son to us. He would be responsible for leading the children of it. Oh boy. He would be responsible for leading the people. His name should be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. Power and peace will be in his kingdom and will continue to grow forever. He will rule as David's throne on David's throne over David's kingdom, and he will make it strong by ruling with justice and goodness from now on and forever. The Lord all-powerful will do this because the Lord is, has strong love for his people. Israel many, many times went through lots of trials. I thought about last week's message, and I don't know if it really sunk on your heart, but it really it did mine before, during, and even after, about who, who Joseph was. Something about him, about what he represented. But something more about understanding about the Christ child coming. When I went back and I read the last scripture in Malachi, the part about I will return the fathers to the hearts of the children. I will return the fathers' hearts to the heart of the children. That's in Malachi 3, verse 5 and 6. And then the, there's 40 years of silence. There's about 40 years from the, from the end of Malachi until the time of, of the, the gospels being written. So the time of Christ being born was 400 years. And people were looking, and people were wanting, and people were, were confused, and people were, were, were stranded around like, like a lot of people are today, looking for answers but not getting them. And then the Christ child comes, as we just read in Isaiah chapter 9. This is about five or 600 years before he came. The Christ child came. And it's about restoration of the heart of the Father to his kids. The same way with us, it's about restoring your heart to his. You may not always understand it, you may not know every part of it, and I don't either. Things have been so bad, I'm going to read a few things here. Things have been so bad in this scripture and and they were embarrassed. There were people this disheartened and discouraged. But something began to change in chapter verse two and verse three. It's like in here this morning. I don't know if y'all feel it. A little bit, a little lax today. It's going a little quiet. A little, a little too much Christmas cake or Christmas turkey or Christmas ham or, or too many uh, stuff was bought. You know, now you got to pay for it. just whatever. It's kind of lull here this morning. These people began to feel an excitement about what God was going to bring about. He was proclaiming it in his word that he would bring his Christ child. You see, God came near. And he made all the difference to the people in Isaiah's time. God came near to Boonville, Missouri in a variety of ways to draw your heart and your life near him. There is nothing more important than him drawing the people's hearts to him. I'm going to move on because I'm never going to get through. 
hope is returning. And I'm going to speak to you this morning. I'm not, I don't, I'm not much into prophetical things and saying things that, that are prophetical, but I'm going to tell some of you, there's hope returning to your life. A lot of you get so guided up with things and situations and circumstances that are too heavy, you can't feel like even trying anymore. But there's hope returning. If you'll keep your eyes focused on that star, on that star, or on a star at Bethlehem, about what it represented, anytime we take our eyes off the cross and up off, off of Christ, our hope begins to diminish. But the moment we begin to place our hope back on Christ, listen to me. It doesn't matter how far we've gotten away from the Lord. We may be just used to hear preaching or used to hear singing and, and it no longer moves us. Friend, you quit looking to the cross. You quit looking to Jesus. You quit looking to the star, if you will. But when you start again, you begin to keep your eyes fixed where they need to be instead of everybody else around you. It's amazing what God will bring back to your life and restore you back to health spiritually. Zechariah chapter 9. told you this earlier, but I'm going to say it again now. Don't forget to pick one of these up out here in the foyer. Last commercial I have. 9, verse uh, 12 through 16. You prisoners have hope. Reach, return, your place, return to your place of safety. Today I'm telling you that I will give back to you twice as much as, you, as before. I will use Judah like a bow and Ephraim like arrows in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, I will use your men to fight the men of Greece, and I will use the warrior's sword. And the Lord will appear before them, and his arrows will shoot like lightning. The Lord will blow the trumpets, and he will, match, will march in front of the storms of the south. The Lord, our powerful, will protect them and will destroy the enemy with slingshots. They will drink and shout like drunk men. They will be filled like... Filled with a bowl like used for sprinkling blood at the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord says, I will save them. God will save them. As the people were sheep. They will shine in his, I cannot see this. They will shine in his land like the jewels in the, in the crown. There's something about this. When I, when I wrote this down, I looked this up. A lot of us here, we get so frustrated with life. And I know that myself and I know that you are the same. But there's times you get frustrated and you just get burnt out and you pray and nothing happens. And you pray and nothing happens. And you're waiting for something to happen out of the blue and it doesn't happen. Years ago, I, I used an analogy of new business owners. 80% of them start they stop after the first year. 80%, 98% start a year and a half, quit the business a year and a half after it starts. 2% last over a year and a half, and they make it. It's amazing. The hardships and things that we try to do, many times we get discouraged. We say, forget it, I don't want to keep going. I want to I quit and do something else. But the greatest blessing is in those who can endure. God so many times I've seen the endure, the person who can endure a lot of things is the one who comes out smelling the best. One who, who accomplishes the most in their life. 
God will restore after the, oppress, after the oppressing years. You know, 2020 has been oppressive. It has been. Fear blinds our heart and our soul. I've been blinded. I've been frustrated. I've got mad. And it affects you in every way. Where do you put your trust? Another scripture to you. It's in Jeremiah. I've preached on this before. Jeremiah chapter 17. Where do we put our trust? In man? In government? Is there any wrong with putting a little trust in the government? Not a bit. What does 17 verse 5 say? Micah, 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 there you go. Jeremiah 17. I didn't give you that one. This is scripture everybody in King James needs to have marked in their Bible. I'm going to read it out of the New Century. Trusting, this is what the Lord says. A curse is placed on those that trust in trust other people, who depend on humans for strength, who have stopped trusting the Lord. There's something about it. When you trust only in man, you're, you're saying, God, there's no trust in you. We might not know what lies ahead. We may not understand all the things happening that have happened in the past year. One thing we must do, keep striving, keep striving. I'm going to kind of wrap this up in Job chapter 1. Job was a man who had a, a lot of things he'd been through. And I didn't give him this either, so don't, don't try to find it. I didn't give it to her. My, my message this morning changed about four times in my, oh, it's just crazy. In Job chapter 1, we see that Job went through a lot of stuff. In verse 20 says, when Job heard this, he got up, tore his robe. Let me just read uh, verse 19. Suddenly a great wind came from all four, from the desert, hit all four corners of the house at once, and the house fell in with all the young people, and they're all dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. When Job heard this thing, he got up, tore his clothes, shaved his head to show how sad he was, and then he bowed down to, and worshiped the ground and worship God and he said I was naked when I when I was born I will be naked when I die I gave the Lord gave those things to me he has taken them away praise be the name of the Lord and all this Job did not sin look in chapter 2 chapter 2 verse 3 then the Lord said to Satan have you noticed my servant Job no one else is like him on the earth he is honest and innocent man honoring God and staying away from evil you caused me to ruin him for no reason but he continues to be without blame. He continues on. Listen to me. There's a lot of things that have happened. You may have went ruined. Maybe your business is in ruin. Maybe you've had a job change. Maybe your wife has got issues. Maybe your husband has issues. Maybe your kids have went off the deep end. You continue on yourself. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. You stay the same. Have you considered my servant Job? I destroyed him, but he's never faltered in how he treated me. 
There's a great reward coming in Job's life. Go to chapter uh, 32. I think that Job chapter 32. There's a lot of questions he had. If all of his kids got killed, you think he'd have questions? All of his livestock was killed. You better, you better believe he had questions. His wife, even, his wife even told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Everything that they ever put any trust in in the past and what they'd done and who they were, it all failed him except God himself. So the next several chapters you read the book of Job, I encourage you to. In chapter 42, you see something really begin to change. Even though, even though Job was, in, was faithful in all that he'd done and what he represented, there's something that happened in 42 in verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord gave him success again. The Lord gave him twice as much as he had owned, owned before. And I'm going to not read any more there. But he gave him twice as much. If we pray, we, can, we stay consistent in our walk with God. Regardless of what happens around us. Regardless. Regardless of the kind of year this has been. As crazy as it's been. He's a rewarder of those that what? Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you know who you are, you know what you believe. And regardless of all the external things that are happening around you, you know who you believe. And sometimes people get confused about who they are. I said earlier about lesbian, gay, and, and the transgender and transgender. I understand that. They, they are confused a little bit. No, I'm not confused a whole bunch. But the, uh, I want to tell you, it happens to us. Maybe not the same, but it happens to us. This is what I'm going to close with. Uh, years ago, we were pastoring in Kentucky. I was, man, I think back now, I think, oh, how in the world? Uh, I was, oh, it doesn't matter. I was around 30, 31, I guess. Went to, uh, you think as a pastor you're going to go in there and great things are going to happen. And so went into Mount Vernon, Kentucky, where my father pastored, and that's where I was raised in that church. And I just thought things would click and it'd boom, it'd go good. And it did. It, it actually did. And, and things happened there. But uh, after we was burnt down by drug dealers and burnt our church down, then we went in, re, re, we rebuilt, and we built a sanctuary. And uh, honestly, I thought it was a pretty decent size until... Bob and Jane and Wanda went there to spring and went inside and went, oh, man, it's about from right here to right there and about square. And uh, uh, get back to my story. We had about, at this time, about 35, 40 people coming there, maybe 50, maybe. And I was going to school to get my kids from school, and I walked up, and, and a principal there, his name is Mr. Carter, and uh He's a dear, dear friend of mine. I think so highly of him. Some of you have heard parts of, of this before. And uh, he was my, my, uh, my junior high coach, and he actually went to high school and coached me my sophomore year in high school. And I just always liked him. I thought a lot of him. And even though he chewed on me and chewed me out and hit me in the butt a few things, it hurt, but it doesn't matter. Uh, trauma. Uh, I went there to get the kids one day. He goes, hey, Dwight. Can I talk to you a minute? And I said, yeah. And I didn't know I was going to have 
I'm sure my countenance began to change. He began to unload a, a lot of stuff on me. Mr. Carter was a cocky dude. He's built good. Good looking mustache. He's, he had it going on. It's back in the, you can see when young it was. And, and uh, it was in the 70s, 79 was it was. And he said, uh, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. He goes, well, you know, sometimes in life you just get close to certain people. And I thought, he's talking about me and him. Okay. And he goes, uh, and some people shouldn't get too close to you. I'm, I'm like, that ain't me. So, and he started talking. And he began to tell me he began to get involved with a, a lady he went to church with. Now, he was married to Janet. And he had a daughter. And I was just bored. He began to tell me uh, what the board members at his church was telling him to do. If that's what he wanted to do, he said, go ahead and, and go for it. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say to something like this? I'm going to say, well, first of all, your board members don't have good sense. They should never be telling you to uh, go after somebody else. You need to re resurrect and restore exactly what you already have. And we just developed a, a different kind of friendship. And from that time outside, I will tell you this, he had to live in the basement. She lived in the main part of the house. Uh, they didn't eat together or anything else, and that's where he stayed. But the next Sunday, he was at church. We had three sections, one through three, and he sat over here. There's only five rows, so he sat in the middle. He sat like this. But God began to change. When he was there a month, he'd been coming about four weeks, I noticed he started saying, oh, yeah. He would, under his breath, say things, and, and then he began to bring notepads, and he wrote down every message and note, and, and he started applying all this to my life. And, and before this happened, he asked his wife and I, he said, we, we need to get together. I, I need to talk to you more than just stand outside the store. And so we went down to Dollywood, and this is back in the very beginning, this first, before he came to our church, he, he didn't want anything to do with his wife. He was just sick of it, and she's mad at him, and this is a perfect example when Christ came near. He didn't fix everything in the first month. He didn't fix everything in two months. He didn't fix everything in three months. But he began the work that needed to be, get, needed to be done at, in the beginning. He compromised his values. He compromised his wife. He compromised his marriage. He compromised his daughter. He compromised his relationship with everyone who knew him. His position was very, very much honorable in our society. You can go ahead and play. I'll, I'll be about five more minutes or so. He had to deal with his spirit, a spiritual conflict. Listen to me. There's a lot of things we have in our life that's caused us to get to wherever you are right now. A lot of things have happened. But there was a spiritual conflict that was working on him on the inside. You could see it by looking at him. If you, unless you didn't know him, you would just think he was angry looking. But this is a spiritual conflict. There's a spiritual thing between what's good and what's right. He sent me uh, a message the other day. He sent me uh, Christmas Eve. He sent me a message and said something to me. And, He said, you love me when I was unlovable. Christ 
loved you and he was unlovable. You may be unlovable right now. Everything in your life is just a disaster. And you blame it on this past year, but it happened because of something, the way you responded to things that happened this past year. Or maybe five years ago. And now you're, you're going through life and you have this big ball of junk in your heart that you never really got rid of. The same Christ you came near 2,000 years ago is the same one who's come near to you at this moment. The same one. And how you respond is exactly whether you walk out of here with the same junk in your heart or you walk out of here with something different. He came to church. He began to deal with his errors, with all of his confusion, all the things. And he was a very intelligent man. Because see, when something like this happens, it wasn't just a, a restoration of himself. Then he had to also wait on the restoration of Janet, the restoration of Allison, his daughter. All of them had to come together. The boy, a few minutes, after a few months, he started living back upstairs. He went back in his bedroom, I don't think, but he was upstairs. He was eating with them, and they began to see a change in his life. A change. Because Christ came near. If you sound like Mr. Carter, there's a chapter in the book of John. It's for people dealing with a lot of uh, hurts and things that they've done wrong. And they feel like they're without hope and God would never reach out his hand to them. John chapter 21, 1 through 9, we see Jesus on the shore and he, the disciples were out there fishing and they had not caught any fishes the second time this had happened. And he had a fire going, he was already cooking some stuff and they couldn't tell who he was for how far he was. And he began to call them, hey, have you caught any fish? And they probably heard that a lot from people wanting the leftovers or whatever, but no, we haven't. Throw off on the other side. When he heard those words, the disciples heard those words, they instantly in their mind remembered back to the, another time when Jesus told them to launch out to the deep. You know the rest of the story? Peter jumps out of the boat to get to the shore. Because he had to see, he had to see this Jesus. You see, Christ didn't meet him on the shore with any any rebukes or any of their failures. He met him on the shore with cooked food and a welcome hand for things to be restored the way they used to be. Regardless of all of their defects, all of their troubles, there was no condemnation waiting for them. He understood their emotions. He understands yours. He understands your confusion. He understands your guilt. He understands your frustration with yourself. He understands. We often think, I gotta work, I gotta work my way back into myself. He said, let me tell you something. He understands. He knows you're but human. 
Sometimes in closing of services, I feel so much, it didn't pressure from anybody, that sometimes I mess up the time to come to the altar. One is down there, she's watching me, she's wanting to draw it out of me. I can see it in her face, and I always kind of botch it up. We're going to have this altars open.